Hey everybody, this is Petey from The Spinner Rack, and today I'm going to do a little video connecting the comic books to the No Way Home, right? So if you've seen the, you've seen the, um, the thumbnail for this, you will see a character that's from The Incredible Hulk, The Shaper of Worlds, that's going to hint to you what the original plan was when Marvel was trying to figure out something to sort of, um, well, let's go back a little bit, right? So, there's always the draw to the early Spider-Mans. So, I think Kurt, was it Kurt Busiek had decided to sell Marvel and doing a story. There was something that John Byrne had kind of pitched to Marvel to do a continuing series of Spider-Man while he was in high school, right? He had pitched him to that, and they kind of said no. But when um, Kurt Busiek was pretty hot, not in any connection to Burn, he came to them and said, hey, we should do some untold tales that happen in between the other stories, and we'll connect the, connect them into, into continuity. And Marvel said yes. So they came out with untold Tales of Spider-Man. Now, this series is a well-loved series, though the success of it, it only lasted 25 issues. So I'm not sure about the sales on this. It has a great um, Pat Olaf as the artist early on in his career. Bert Kerbusiak post, um, what's that thing? Post, um, what did he do? Uh, Marvels. We have this thing of doing something that should work, right? So this is going to play to everything that we've been seeing in the Spider-Man movies. They're trying to get the teen Spider-Man out here, right? So this was a fun series. But in my mind, it kind of stuck too far to continuity. Trying to fit everything in to the rest of the continuity that was going on. You know, but at the same time... It kind of rushed. Then Spider-Man is up to speed by 25, where he's basically bouncing around. Um, who's that guy? He's bouncing around. He's bouncing around um, the Green Goblin, and it's not not much of a fight. Similar to this sort of thing, where Spider-Man is kind of really up to speed already, even though. Yeah, yeah, this guy's held his own for a little while. Spider-Man figured the, the classic Marvel water tank scene to take out the villain, right? And he has the Todd McFarlane web still, right? So this one had a little bit of a buzz. It had, and I guess it had a lot of stuff going for it. But um, I guess the pros would have to say why it only lasted 25 issues. It had Roger Stern co-writing it. And ultimately, this series ended, right? But Marvel still had the bug. This was in 95 when this was introduced. So Marvel had also experienced Heroes Reborn. And that, even though it was critically destroyed, was a success. So in two ways, Marvel would try to capitalize on this. They were like, well, maybe Rob and Jim had the right idea and did it the wrong way, right? And they also say that Bill Jemis considered himself the guy who killed Jim Lee taking over 
Marvel. But he, of course, we all know he had the idea for Ultimate Spider-Man, which was a reboot, right? So with that said, we know what's coming. We have Chapter 1, which would be sort of a soft reboot of Spider-Man, kind of, you know, getting more attention back to him, trying to draw, go back to what happened in the past and kind of streamline what had happened in the past for the present day, right? So this one has gotten attacked many a times, and we're not going to do a full overview of Chapter 1, but um, before we got to Chapter 1, we had something called The Gathering of the Five, which um, Norman Osborn would have this big plot, which would lead to the final chapter with Spider-Man fighting, you know, for just for the moment, of fighting Norman Osborn, and some new characters that would be introduced and brought to the um, Spider-Man universe, right? So not just Norman Osborn, but a couple other characters, right? But that wasn't their original plan. The original plan was to actually reboot Spider-Man. To actually put him in the teenage stage and say, this would be the present day. And that's why the Shaper of Worlds was in there. That Spider-Man would, would basically go through a whole bunch of trials of the negative things happening to him. And he would put out a wish saying, I wish that I could go back to high school. And basically, if you go to Amazing Spider-Man 7, we have a story where we don't go back to, all the way back to high school. But we go back to a different sort of thing. So they didn't get to do that story. They decided it was too cosmic for Spider-Man. So they went with the soft reboot, and the, what's left over from the story is do a story where, you know, they would find themselves in a brand new world, or something called a perfect world, right? Something's happened at the, and this is one of the cool things in his um, Burns run on Spider-Man is some of the wide shots that he was doing. Uh, it's like really some cool stuff here. Like Scott Hanna, the ink's a little bit, he's, I guess he's inking breakdowns which is you know having a hard time he's having a hard time dealing with it. and you see dan green would do a lot better job with this stuff but i think um um scott hand is more of a finisher not really a, an, an inker not really a finisher right so captain stacy would be back and this is some of the bits of what would be here but this story where flash is a hero and everyone's kind of taken with him and he's destroying Reed Richards and Spider-Man and um, Flash would be handling business so it'd be basically trying to do a little bit of that story where the characters will all be stuck in this new world right where Flash but in this world Flash is the hero and Spider-Man is his partner right and of course Spider-Man makes short work of Doctor Doom Flash takes care of Blastar, right? The Fantastic Four really have no help. This is how the Fantastic Four is dealt with presently. This actually happened where Spider-Man took out all the people and helped out the Fantastic Four. This is kind of nuts, but this is to play that this is not the real world where Sue kisses Flash and she's taken with him. And... Um, and she's sitting on his lap this entire time. And Reed is happy driving the car. 
right? And seeing all this happen, J. Jonah Jameson gets his, but then there's a moment where it doesn't feel real for a second. And Peter Parker is in a wheelchair, and um, we have um, Uncle Ben is alive. Everything that he would want, right? So this is a cool sort of story, right? But they ultimately led Byrne and um, who's that guy and Kusada coming at odds, right? So instead of doing a Shape of a World story, they did Chapter One and they did the regular series. And also Byrne was also wanted to wanted um. I think his plan was to ink this, but for the regular series, he wanted Terry Austin to ink, but um, Terry declined. And this basically reset up some of the things in um, Spider-Man's in Spider-Man's history. So instead of doing something where it'd be like a, it would happen now where he'd be in high school. They get to play for a year with Spider-Man being in high school, right? So sort of what, not exactly what Bernard initially pitched, and to hint some, and some characters that will show up later. And this was the biggest thing that kind of affected people, right? And some of this stuff there people had issue with. But um, to lastly say, soon after as this goes on, the art just starts to get killer in here. So if you're a critic of this, some of the art that Byrne did in this series is really amazing, right? Some of the upside down panels that he was doing, given something that I, you really, uh, I really thought Byrne was very straightforward in his approach. But then when he got to this stage, he kind of... Um, started pulling out all the stops with these upside down panels and whatnot to try to get sort of a spidery sense to it, right? So see, it's a bunch of cool stuff. So I'm not getting too much of that. I definitely want to go back to chapter one at some point. So soon after Ultimate Spider-Man comes along, which is a reboot, and that was successful. And I don't think initially it was successful. The issue one was successful. And then they did something weird with the print run. Then it started to sell like gangbusters. But then, soon after that, when um, I think J. Michael Straczynski, he took over it. He did something where he brought back Gwen Stacy. Spider-Man had revealed his identity, had organic webs. All this stuff, all these things that Bernie usually talks about, like barnacles, had now accumulated on Spider-Man. So, um, Joe Quesada had ultimately had used that idea. He said, why don't we just reboot it? And no one will know. And everyone said, no, don't do that. All this continuity is so DC. And then, of course, he was party to, I think it's one more day, which led to brand new day. And that would be the reboot using another villain, which would be Mephisto saying he wanted to take his marriage to save Aunt May, right? And ultimately... That's what they did. They rebooted uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man was basically post-high um, school, post-grad school, and all of his supporting cast was kind of backed. But then, of course, you know, we went to the Superior Spider-Man, all that. So this is where some of the ideas that you could see in um, your movie, um, No Way Out, 
kind of came from. Like slowly trying to get to this thing where we kind of reboot everything that's in Spider-Man and um, that sort of stuff. So I think that's about it. So we got to touch on things like Untell Tales of Spider-Man and Chapter 1 and um, Ultimate Spider-Man and One More Day and Brand, More, Brand New Day. And now you got No, no Way Home, right? So that gives you a little bit of history on that stuff. Thank you. Spinarak out.